Psalm chapter 56. I just want to say that it's so good seeing Brother Adam back up here tonight. It's been his first service up here singing with us since his surgery. It's, it's good to see Brother Adam up here singing. You know, normally we just get those cameos on Facebook from Sister Tanya giving us a little bit of glimpse of his singing, but tonight we got to be blessed, and it's good to see Brother Adam up here tonight. Psalms chapter 56, I want to read the whole chapter to you. Psalm chapter 56 says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day that they rest my words, all their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger, cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wonderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Let's pray, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God, for all that you've done for us today. God, your presence has been here from the very beginning. God, I thank you, Lord, for the the worship. I thank you for the word that Brother Chad brought to us this morning. God, you've spoken to us. You've built up our faith, Lord. And I pray, God, right now by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit, God, that you would let this word go deep down into our souls. God, I pray, Lord, that you would build faith here tonight, that you would build trust here tonight, God, so that we can praise you and so that we can walk in your path. And Lord, it's in your precious, your holy name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Faith over fear. Faith over fear. Now, if we have any math majors in the house tonight, you would say that that means faith is greater than fear. But we're going to say faith over fear is our title here tonight. As David begins to write this psalm, he's been on the run for two long years. He's not being chastened by by a band of Philistines or or any other of the heathen kingdoms of Canaan. No, no, his life is in constant danger because of King Saul, the king of Israel. Now, God has appointed David to be the next king of Israel, and and Saul's jealousy has turned into rage, and he's not going to stop hunting David until David is dead. The biblical account, it shows us that Saul left the comforts of his own palace there in Jerusalem to join his men as they hunted and chased down David. His bitterness towards David has become the primary obsession of his life. 
He's thrown every resource that he has as the king of Israel into David's demise. For two solid years now, every time that David puts his head down to sleep, he's got to sleep with one eye open because because David, the chosen king of Israel, has now been led to sleep in caves in a wilderness. No palaces, no royal luxuries, no, none of those things. He's God's chosen, but he's an exile in his own country. There's no safety for him there in Israel. Every village would contain people who would, who would, who would tell of his whereabouts and would threaten his life. Two years of running has left David in a state of, of desperation and depression. Surely there's got to have been thoughts that have went through his mind was, was God, why would you even put this calling on my life? I, I was content to just be a shepherd there, there in Bethlehem. That was the easy life. That was the easy path. God, why did you put me here? The fear and the anxiety that is constantly coursing through his veins have left him with no other choice but to go and to leave the not-so-friendly confines of Israel and to go into the land of the Philistines, the city of his arch-nemesis Goliath, the city of Gath. Gath, it was one of the main cities of, of the kingdom of Philistia. It was, it was home to not just one giant that's now dead, but it was a city that was full of giants. In fact, whenever the children of Israel, they, they went in to go to see the land of Canaan, Moses, he sent those spies into Israel and no doubt they encountered some of the giants of Gath and they said, Moses, we don't stand a chance. We're not, we, we can't go in there. And so it's this city, a city full of giants where David is having to go. Not only would there be giants in Gath, but there were plenty of citizens there who would be willing to offer up David's head on a platter just as he did to their fallen hero. Gath was not a place of safety for David. But after being on the run for two years from Saul, David felt like he had no other choice but to go into Gath. He would hope that, that Saul would not risk the chance of going to war again with the Philistines and would just leave him alone as he staggered into the city of Gath. He's tired. He, he's downcast. His back is against the wall. He's hopeless, but he's holding on to a promise from God that one day this is going to turn around. These are the emotions that he feels as he puts the pen to the paper to write Psalm 56. Some of these words were probably written more as just wishful thinking than actual bold faith. But we find that even whenever David is at the end of his rope, he still trusts God. David's response shows us, shows us that he chooses faith over fear. The outcome is not certain, but David knows that his calling is set in stone. David's response to this time of difficulty, it, it gives us the blueprint on how to handle adversity in our own lives in a way that honors God. So let's look to this psalm and let's see how does David respond whenever his back is against the wall. David's first response is to turn to God in prayer. His first response to adversity is to pray. He says there in verse one, be merciful unto me, O God. God is using this season in David's life to train him to look to heaven first for the solution. 
Because right now, David's outmatched. He doesn't have the forces of Israel at his disposal. He doesn't have the tactical advantage as Saul does. But one day that's going to change. One day he's going to be the king of Israel. One day he's going to be able to call men to go and do his bidding. But God is training him right now. David, you look to me first for the solution. And if he doesn't develop that muscle memory in his mind to say, God, I'm looking to you first. If he doesn't develop that now, he's certainly not going to have that later whenever he's the king of Israel. That's one of God's greatest purposes in trials in our life is to show us, look, you don't have the strength, the ability to be able to fix things by yourself. You need divine help. Psalm 142, starting in verse number four says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge, it failed me. No man cared for my soul. So I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge and you are my portion in the land of the living. The psalmist, he shows us whenever we look around, there's no refuge, there's no strength, there's no protection whenever we look around here. But whenever we look up, whenever we look up to God, that is where our refuge is. There's a story about a Persian sea captain who was navigating his ship in a battle. And he's, he's holding that wheel as he as he steers that ship in the middle of the battle. But at one point in the battle, the, his, his right arm was chopped off. That's no problem because he's still got his left arm. So, so he's navigating that ship with his left arm and, and through the battle, it continues on. And then his right arm is chopped off. Well, we're, we're kind of at a little bit of a problem here, but, but the, the ship captain, he's been through the battles before. He's a, he's a crusty old sailor. So he decides that he's just going to bite down on that ship's wheel and he's going to navigate it around with his head until his head is chopped off. And sometimes that's the way that, that we are in life. We're going through difficulties and our arm falls off. He's, God, I've got it. Don't worry. I'm not left-handed, but I think I'll be able to handle this. And, and then, our, then, God, I know this is kind of ridiculous right now, but don't worry. I've got everything's under control, God. Really, really, I can handle myself. And then we get to that point where God has taken away every earthly option, and we finally say, okay, God, I've made a big enough mess of it by myself. Can you please come in and help? That is God's purpose in our trial is to show us, I looked on my right hand, there was no man that could help me. But whenever I looked up, that's whenever I found refuge and that's whenever I found strength. Brother Chad, it's such a profound quote this morning. He said this, suffering brings out the true status of one's faith. Whenever we begin to suffer and we say, well, God, I can take care of this by myself. That shows a lack of faith in God. So ask yourself, whenever you're going through the difficulties of life, do you turn to yourself to fix things or do you turn to God? And at this time in his life, David has realized he has no other option but God to deliver him out of the hand of Saul. His family wasn't there to protect him. His, his dad and all of his brothers, they weren't there to, to help him. The, 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 he had, he didn't, the children of Israel were not yet on his side. They couldn't come and help him. He didn't have any power to be able to deliver himself. His only option was for God to come and to protect him. So he goes straight to God. Verse one, be merciful unto me, O God. 
Be merciful unto me. Whenever our enemy opens his mouth to assail us, we need to open our mouth to an almighty God who can take care of every need and every circumstance that we're going through. In medicine, we have these things called treatment algorithms, and it just helps us for different disease processes. This is what you do. Well, whenever it comes to advanced cardiac life support, there's there's the algorithms that we go through. And more often than not, the treatment is give epi. That's the, that's the treatment. Asystole, give epi. PEA, give epi. VTAC, give epi. VFib, give epi. How about in our lives, whenever we, we have our spiritual battles, how about troubles at work? Pray. Troubles at home? Pray. Troubles at church? Pray. Kid troubles, job troubles, all these things? Pray. Just go to God in prayer. Let that be your number one thing to do because God can work through the power of prayer. But we like to take the Psalms 142 approach. We, we, verse 4, we, we like to take the Persian sea captain approach. No, God, we can handle this. We, we, can call, we can call, I can call my wife. I can call my parents. I can call my grandparents. I can call my, my friends. I can call everybody around me. And God's saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. Lift your voice up to me and I'll be able to work and to minister. I am your refuge. David's back is against the wall. There's nobody to call. So he turns his sole attention to God. And that's right where God wants him to be. No earthly options. The only option is a divine one. God is trying to start David off on this path from an early time in his life. He's trying to break him away from self-reliance and to get on God-reliance. Because if David, if he would have been able to outsmart Saul and to get away from Saul and, and to be able to, to rescue himself, then he, you know what, man, I, I did a pretty good job by myself, God. I don't know if I need you. But God had to bring him to the end of the rope where his only option was to go to the city of Gath to say, you know what, God, I can't do this by myself. You to work and to minister in this trial. So whenever we walk through the trials of life, we've got to remember that our first response has got to be to turn to God in prayer. David's second response is found in Psalm 56 and 3. His second response to adversity is to trust God. He said, at what time I am afraid I will trust in thee. It's very revealing here that David said, at what time I am afraid. He, he didn't say, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to trust in you. There, there's not some kind of false sense of bravado here. David is admitting that he is fearful, but his fear does not preclude the fact that he still trusts God. And people, they want to try to convince you that to say, well, you've got fear. You've got doubt. You've got worry. That's, that means that you're just weak. That means that you just don't have faith in God. But David says, I've got an element of fear here in my life right now, but that doesn't take away the fact that I still trust God. He's saying, I don't know how this is going to work out. God put a calling on my life. This doesn't make any sense right now. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation, but God, I trust you. I don't have the answer, but I know who does. I know who does. The great Psalm, Psalm 34, was also birthed out of this situation. And David said in Psalm 34 and 4, he said, I sought the Lord, he heard me, and he delivered me from my fear. 
There was so much fear, so much pressure, so much anxiety. And he said, God delivered me from all of my fears. That would have been enough pressure to leave David on the floor of the cave in in a fetal position. But despite all of that pressure, he said, I still trust God. Where did that trust come from? It came from battles that that David had already walked through. It it came from, from a time whenever he killed a lion and a bear, whenever he was a shepherd. Now think about these stories here. Okay, David is a young boy and he's out watching sheep, okay? And a lion comes in and and starts to attack one of his sheep. I was with Brother Champion in the woods. This has been about a month ago, and and we we heard some running water in the woods, and so I'm gonna go look and see what this little creek is. And, And I got about 20 feet, 20, 15 feet away from the creek, and on the other side of the creek bank is maybe a two foot wide creek. I saw a big old water moccasin, and I ran and screamed like a little girl from a snake that was probably 20 feet away from me. And here's David watching sheep, a young boy and a lion, not a snake, a lion comes out and is attacking his sheep. And David stands up against that lion and kills that lion. He kills that bear. He kills Goliath. He's he's been on the run from Saul now for two years and God has preserved his life. So what is David saying? Look, God, you brought me through the lion. You brought me through the bear. You brought me through Goliath. You've preserved my life up to this point. God, I don't know how it's gonna work out, but I'm trusting you because you got me through in the past. You're gonna get me through in the future. David was able to look back at those prior experiences and was able to develop trust that God was gonna protect him. Because if God was able to keep him from those dangerous situations, he's gonna be able to do the same this time as well. If you have your Bibles still open, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter one. Because there was also peril that Paul had to face in his life. He had difficult times that he went through. And he made this statement here in 2 Corinthians chapter one, and I wanna read verses eight through 10. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. We're having trouble, we had trouble in Asia. That we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Paul said, I, I was just ready to give up. I was just ready to die. All the pressure, all the pain, all the struggle that I was going through, I was just ready to just, I, I didn't even know how I was going to be able to make it to tomorrow. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but I'm trusting God that he's gonna work out and minister in this situation. Those times where Paul was pressed beyond measure, why was God doing that? To say, Paul, you can't do this in and of yourself. You need me working in your life. So once again, we see that theme of self-reliance. God is trying to get us to the point where we don't rely on ourselves, but we rely on him. We had that sentence of death in ourselves that we might not trust ourselves, but trust in God. Just like the child, whenever Addie, she'll get up on the counter and she'll jump off and she just thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. 
And she, I mean, she just flings herself off of the counter and jumps into my arms. Why does she do that? Because she trusts that I'm going to catch her. And God is saying, look, jump, I'm right here. You can trust me just like a child can trust a parent. You can jump into my arms. I'm gonna catch you. I'm gonna deliver you. I'm gonna preserve you. I'm going to keep you. And it becomes glaringly obvious in life for those who trust God and those who don't. Because those who trust God, they can navigate through any situation because they know that God is in control. And those who just say they trust in God, those are the ones at the front of the line whenever there's a gas shortage or there's a toilet paper shortage. They're just losing their minds because they don't know how they're gonna be able to take care. And you say, God's gonna work this out. God's gonna be able to deliver. This isn't some false sense of bravado, but I trust that God is gonna be able to work. David is telling us that the antidote for fear is trust. What is gonna deliver you from fear? It's trust. It's knowing that God is going to work. The the fear is not gonna shut down your life whenever you're trusting in God. Notice that David says in verse two that there are many who are coming against him. The enemy, he has strength in numbers, but whenever David comes to God, he has the ultimate numerical advantage. There's all these people out here. There's all these enemies that are coming against us. Yeah, but I've got God. I've got God right here and God is working. Sometimes our eyes can get the best of us like they did to Peter. And sometimes instead of looking at the master, we start looking at the storm and looking at the waves. But instead of looking at those waves, look at a sovereign God who though you have many coming against you, know that God is working and God is ministering. More often than not, we see great men and women in the Bible who had to stand alone with God. Got Abraham, leave your family, Abraham. You got Elijah standing up there on Mount Carmel all by yourself. You got Rahab there in Jericho all by herself. And people, they flock to evil in droves, but men and women of God often have to stand alone. Wide is the path to destruction, but narrow is the way to eternal life. But it doesn't matter if you're standing on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal or if you're in a cave in Gath all by yourself and you got the Philistines and and King Saul coming against you, you can trust that God is going to preserve you for the purpose that he has called you to do. David trusted God that no matter how many were against him, he knew that if he kept God in his focus, that God was gonna keep him. Was there fear? Yes. Was there apprehension? Yes. But whenever David lay his head down at night, he knew that he could trust God. Notice what he says in verse four, I am not going to fear what flesh can do unto me. His trust in God has has led him to the realization that yes, there's gonna be times of fear, but at what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. He said it like this in Psalm 27 and one, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see that God, his great mercy, his great love, he's the Lord of salvation. He's the Lord of the light. Who am I gonna be afraid of? That's my God. And this just underlies the point that that your view of God is gonna be the single most important thing in your life. How you view God is gonna dictate how you live your life, how you walk, how you talk, how every little basic thing of your life 
Your view of God is going to dictate that. If you have a low view of God, whenever you go through a trial, you're going to be, and we've all done it, you're going to be belly aching and moaning and asking where in the world God is and, and going through that. But if you have a high view of God, you know my God is greater than anything that may come against me. I may not understand it right now, but I know that God is going to work and God is going to minister. Look at what he has to say in Psalm 112, 7 and 8. He said, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. What is bad news whenever you serve the God who created the universe? Hey, Moses, hey, hey, we're trapped at the Red Sea, Moses. We're trapped at the Red Sea. Well, good news. My God created the Red Sea. Hey, 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 bad news, bad news. Peter, he's locked up in prison. He's locked up in prison. What are we gonna do now? The, the preacher on the day of Pentecost, it's all going down in shambles. The early church is just gonna go down. What are we gonna do? Peter's in prison. Don't worry. My God created the ground that that prison lies on and there's gonna be an earthquake and Peter's gonna walk out of that prison. If we have a high view of God, then maybe we wouldn't get so shaken by the things that happen around us because we know that God is in complete control. I'm not worried about the economy, why? Because my God controls everything that's going on right now. My God is working. I don't have to live in fear. There may be moments of fear but I'm not living in fear. My God is working. Do we have moments of fear and apprehension? Absolutely. But God has been in control from the very beginning of time. And he's going to be in control until time ends. He's never surprised. He never sits up in heaven and says, oh, stock market's down today. I didn't see that one coming. There's a gas short. Oh, I didn't see that coming. I sure didn't. no. He's in heaven sitting on his throne. He divinely orchestrates. He knows what's going on. He's moving all these situations around. He's moving all these world powers into alignment so that prophecy can be fulfilled. God is working and I'm not going to live in fear. That's why we place such a high premium on Bible reading and prayer in this local assembly. Because if you see God lifted up in glory, if you see him sitting on his throne, if you see God in his holiness, then your situation is not gonna gridlock you in fear. You can just, if you just read the Psalms for the rest of your life and saw how high and lifted up God was in the Psalms, then you would have a great notice of how powerful God is. So get into the word because whenever you find out who God is for yourself, Whenever the enemy comes against you, say, oh, that's just, that's just a little old Satan. That's just a little old lizard compared to my God. That's, that's not some great scary dragon. No, my God created him. He's not gonna be able to do anything to me. My God is the creator of all things. Get a high view of God and all these situations, all these things that we go through won't seem so big. David's, his third response to adversity, it's just the outflow of his trust in God. It's found there in verse number four. He says, in God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh is going to do unto me. Do you see his third response there? It's that he praises God. He praises God. If, if David is gonna trust God, that God is gonna move and work through everything that's going on with what he's going through at the moment, then he might as well praise him. 
It doesn't matter that he's on the run from Saul. It doesn't matter that he's in Gath. It doesn't matter that he's the anointed and he's having to live in a cave. In the middle of all this, David says, I'm going to praise God. The amazing part of all this, the, the, the part that just blew my mind as I, was, as I was preparing this message is that David is using his trial as a fire starter for his offering of praise. David's in the middle of the situation. He's in the middle of, I mean, just going through a deep, dark trial. And he said, you know what? God's gonna take control of this, so I'm just gonna start praising God now. Don't know how he's gonna work it out, but, but I'm just gonna kind of go ahead and get an advance going for whenever God does work. I'm gonna kind of go ahead and get my praise revved up here. I'm gonna kind of go ahead and get the flames going on the altar because eventually God's gonna work and I want those flames roaring so that whenever God brings me out of this, I can say, God, you are the one who got me through. You're the one who deserves the praise and I've got an offering of praise that's going right now. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I worship you. Oh, God, you're in control. You're in control. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He puts his situation on an altar of prayer and then he begins offering up praise to God. He, he prayed there in verse one. He said, have mercy on me, O God. I, I'm in the middle of this. I don't know how it's gonna work out. And by verse four, he's already lifting up praise and glory to God. He hasn't been delivered yet. He's, he's still in Gath. He's, he's still at the mercy of the Philistines. But David decides that now is a good time to start praising God. And oftentimes, we, I am the chief of sinners, that, that we, whenever we're in the middle of a trial, the last thing that we want to do is offer up praise to God. But David shows us that whenever we begin to pray, that we start thinking about what God has done in the past. And we start thinking, well, if, if, God can, if God did that five years ago, then he can, he can do that now. And, and why, why should I not trust God now that he's gonna work? And then praise just begins to well up in your heart. Remember, I told you that Psalms 34 was, was also written during this same time period. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 34. I tried to just get a few verses from Psalm 34, but I couldn't, I couldn't leave any verses out. So we're just going to read Psalm 34. <clears throat> Psalm 34, starting in verse number one. Remember, same situation, same set of circumstances. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. David, you're still in the cave. My soul is going to make my boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. David, you're still on the run from Saul. Doesn't matter. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. And what did the Lord do? The Lord heard him. And the Lord saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trust in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and they suffer hunger, hunger, but they that seek the Lord do not want any good thing. 
Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace, pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and he delivers them from out of all of their troubles. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. The Lord is close unto you whenever you are in that state of brokenness. He's right there working and ministering and moving in your life. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keepeth all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked and they that hate the righteous are gonna be desolate. The Lord redeems the souls of his servant and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Those are promises of God. You trust in God and you are never going to be desolate. The praise that's coming out of David's mouth, it sounds like a man who has just been cured from an incurable disease or, or saved out of an impossible situation. But these are the words of David as he is on the run from Saul. I wonder what it must sound like to the enemy whenever he's thrown everything against you and you begin to lift up the name of the Lord. Surely he's got to say, what do I have to do to make them stop praising? But here's the catch. The more trouble you go through, the more God delivers you, the more you lift up his name, the more you begin to worship him. And the devil's saying, I keep on throwing stuff on. I keep on throwing more on that church in Dothan, but they keep coming through the fire. They keep coming through everything that I'm throwing against them. And when they come out on the other side, they just praise God more and more and more. Your trial it's the fuel for your next offering of praise. You may not be sure of how God's going to bring you through, but believe this, he's going to bring you through. The challenging part is that we want the praise without the trial, right? We, we want Exodus 15 where, where Miriam is standing on the bank singing the songs of praise. Oh God, you delivered us, you kept us, but we don't wanna go through Exodus 14 where they're trapped at the Red Sea. Whenever you can praise God in the middle of the storm like David did, then that when it is whenever you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that your God is bigger than any test that is going against you. Praising God in the middle of a season of a trial, a season of depression, a season of discouragement, it's, that's what you have the mindset of Paul. Whenever Paul, I read it this morning, Romans 8, 35 through 39, you're going through it. You're in the thick of it. And you say to yourself, who is going to separate me from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us because I am persuaded. I am fully persuaded. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt. I've prayed. I've trusted. I've lifted God up in praise that death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, any creature, nothing is gonna be able to separate me from the love of God. Nothing. 
So why live in fear? Why live with, with paralyzing anxiety? Why let bad news destroy my outlook? Now, I'm not talking about being some kind of stoic robot that, that goes through and, and just says, well, God's gonna take care of everything. God's gonna take care of everything. No, there's what time I am afraid. There's gonna be times of fear. But whenever I'm afraid, I'm gonna trust in God. Does that mean rainbows and a pile of roses down here? No, not even remotely close because whenever David gets to Gath, he's so afraid for his life that he acts like an insane man so that the Philistines will say, this is the guy that killed Goliath. We don't really have to worry about that old sling anymore because this guy, he's done, he's done completely lost it. We don't have to worry about him. No, it's not rainbows and roses all the time. There's difficulties, but what it does mean whenever you trust God is that no matter how rocky the waters may get, you know that God is gonna use your situation to accomplish his purpose. So for the last few minutes, I've told you what David's response to this trial has looked like, but now let's look and see what God, how God responds to David. Because there's two primary responses from God that we see in Psalm 56 from God to David. And the first response from God is, he says that, that I, David, I heard you. Thou tellest my wonderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Are they not in thy book? That's there in verse number eight. Whenever David asked that question, he says, are they not in your book? He already knows the answer. He knows that those tears are in heaven. He knows that those prayers are in heaven. God has placed those tears in a bottle and he's recorded those prayers in heaven. Archaeologists have found that back in biblical times that whenever someone would pass away, that the mourners, that they would, they would collect their tears in a little bottle and they would put that little vial there in the casket with the dead. And so in like fashion, God collects our tears whenever we cry out to him, but they're, they're not just for some momentary memento. No, they are there forever recorded in heaven. We don't serve some impersonal God who doesn't care, who doesn't hear. He said, cast your cares on me because I care for you. He hears, he knows when you pray. He knows whenever his child reaches out to him in the middle of the night and says, God, I don't know what's going on, but I know that I need you. He hears you, he hears you, he hears you. He's not too great to care about the things that we go through. He's not too mighty to be bothered by our petition. He hears our prayers and he records them in his book. Don't ever buy the lie from hell that would say that God doesn't hear your prayer or that God doesn't care. Buy into the promise of Psalm 125, five and six. They that sow in tears are gonna reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. Are there gonna be tears? Yes. Is there gonna be fear? Yes. But those who sow in tears are gonna reap in joy. That's a promise. And God is not slack concerning his promise. And God is gonna fulfill his promises. The harvest in heaven is gonna make every tear, every fear, every trial, it's gonna make it all worth it. Revelation seven says that God is gonna wipe away every tear from our eye and we're gonna live in eternity 
with him. Don't let your trial rob you of the promises of God. The cry of faith in prayer, it brings terror to the devil because he knows the power of the praying saint of God. Satan has to work overtime to put doubt into our minds that prayer doesn't work. Why does he do that? Because he knows that prayer works. He knows the power of prayer. He knows the promises of God. And and trust me, those aren't the only vials in heaven, those vials of tears, because Revelation 16 reveals to us that, that God also has vials of wrath. And the one day he's gonna pour those out on the wicked and he's gonna remember the tears of the righteous and he's gonna have vengeance on the wicked. He's gonna say all those times that, that the righteous person that you led them into that, that difficult time and they, they cried out to me and they prayed, well, I've got a vial and I'm gonna pour it out and justice is going to happen. And God is keeping a record and he's not a frivolous record keeper. His records, they are precise and he hears your prayers. The other response that God has to our prayers is found in verse 13. He says that thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling? Not only is he going to hear you, not only is he gonna record those prayers in heaven, he's going to deliver you. He's already delivered us. If you've been born of the water, if you've been born of the spirit, he's delivered you from death, hell and the grave. But right now he's talking to a saved man. He's talking to David. He's saying, I'm going to deliver you when the wicked come against you. This is not a promise for your best life now or that you're not gonna encounter difficulties. But what it means is that God is going to work all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's God's promise. That may not mean that tomorrow God is going to deliver you from Saul, but there's a day coming. There's a day coming whenever the promise of that anointing that he placed on David's life, that David's not gonna be in a cave anymore. He's not gonna be in the wilderness anymore. He's not gonna be in Gath acting like a madman anymore. No, he's gonna be sitting on the throne that God promised him years and years ago. So if just because you're in a cave in Gath right now, don't think that God hasn't heard your cry. God has heard you. He's got it recorded. He's got it written down there in heaven. He has heard your prayers. And not only has he heard you, he is going to deliver you. He is going to deliver you. The final line of this Psalm, it reveals God's ultimate purpose in the times of testing in our life. Did you know that God has a purpose for the things that you walk through? What is God's purpose? That I may walk before God in the light of the living. God's ultimate will for what David is going through at that very moment is that he would walk in holiness before God. Our trials are meant to refine us so that we can walk in God's will, to knock off the rough edges, to get that vessel on the potter's will and and to let that vessel be molded into the shape that God wants to use. And so David, he needed to be molded. He needed some rough edges knocked off. Why? Because one day he's gonna be king and he needed to lead Israel in the way that God intended for it to be led. So this time of testing, this time of trial, it had a purpose. And I'll tell you that whenever you're going through a difficult circumstance, if you know that there's 
a purpose in it, you can stick with it. You can go through, it's, it's uh, I listened to old, to old Dave Ramsey. I, I'm, I, I, like, I like listening to Dave. He's, he's, he's hardcore. He goes right after. I just, I like old Dave, okay? And, and he says whenever these people, they get into debt, and he says, well, look, you, you know, you can just do whatever you want to do. If you find your why, then you can do it. If you find out why you're doing something, then you can say no to McDonald's or, you know, wherever, Nietzsche, you know, Dave Ramsey, beans and rice and rice and beans, right? You can say no to the restaurant if you've got that purpose in mind of why you want to do that thing. And so whenever you're going through a trial, if you say, God, I want you to get glory. I want you to be able to use me to work in my life so that I can accomplish your purpose. It doesn't matter what you're going through on this earth because you've got an eternal focus. This momentary affliction is working something far greater and it's an eternal calling, an eternal purpose. So I can take some pain and some difficulty down here. Why? Because I've got a why. I've got a purpose. I know what God is wanting to work in my life. And that is that I would walk in the light of the living, that I would walk before God in a way that pleases and honors him. So if I'm going through a tough patch in life, I say, God, whatever you're trying to do to me right now, accomplish your will, because I want to work to please you. I want to work to please you. Oh, Jesus. So what do we do whenever we're on the run from the enemy? Whenever we have nowhere to turn, we pray. We trust God. We praise God. And what is God going to do? He's going to hear you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to be faithful. He's going to be there. You can stand. Sister Regina, come to the piano. Let's, there's, there's faith that's been builded up here tonight through the worship, through the songs that we have have sung together and through the word of God that to, to be able to look at David's life and to go through blow by blow of, of the difficulties that he walked through, of the, of the circumstances that were totally out of his control. And what did he do? He said, I'm just gonna reach out my hand in faith. I'm just gonna trust that God is work, working, that God is ministering in this situation. Let's just thank God for what he's done. These altars are open. You wanna come? If, if you're in the middle of something, God's going to hear you. If you've come out on the other side of something, just begin to praise him and to lift up his name because God is working on our behalf to make us holy in his sight.